0: Welcome to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. I'm Nick Sinclair and this is the go-to podcast if you're an accountant and looking to set up and build a high performing offshore team for your accounting firm. Here you can learn how to complement your local efforts, grow capacity and deliver more to clients than ever before. Hear from experts who have done it already. Let's go. G'day, I'm Dom from uh, McKinley Ploughman, and you're listening
1: to the Toa Podcast.
0: So Dom, tell us a little bit about your business and a little bit of background and history of it. Yeah, uh, so uh, McKinley Ploughman's been around about
1: 24 years, uh, based over in WA, uh, in the, the, the what we would call the northern suburbs, which is about 20 k's out of the CBD. Uh, We started off uh, two two employees 24 years ago, uh, and then we've built up over the last uh, couple of decades to a team of just over 50. Um, And we're multi-service. We've got financial planning, accounting, finance. uh, And because there's a a lot of POMs like myself uh, in our locality, we also do uh, pension transfers um, as well. Um, So, yeah, that's probably a a brief background uh,
0: on us. Excellent. So give us an overview of your offshore team structure. How, so how many team members do you have? What sort of roles are they doing and how long have they been with you? So I've currently got about eight and it's just
1: moving to nine probably over the next couple of weeks on there. Uh, we started sort of way back in December 2014 uh, with three team members uh, and that was uh, purely accountants at that time. So it's evolved. Sorry, that's, uh, that's a lie. Uh, Two accountants, one financial planner uh, assistant at that time, and then it's really grown from from that perspective. And we've looked at uh, bookkeeping; we've now got a couple of bookkeepers. Uh, We've got a couple of administrative roles um, in there as well. Uh, We did trial out for for a while around EAs, but then sort of went through through that process and decided that uh, we didn't want to sort of take that any further on there. So yeah, it's firmly embedded in accounting and bookkeeping, but we've definitely seen a massive benefit to administrative support. Uh, and the one that we're probably a little bit late to the party on is just around superannuation. We're going to be bringing on someone in the next month, uh, mainly because, uh, in our opinion, we were reasonably efficient from uh, a Perth basis uh, on there, um, so we couldn't see the uh, the massive difference um, or the massive benefit in, in um, Having someone offshore uh, to look after the super funds, however, the administrative burden has now sort of increased, and we can definitely see that there's a benefit to freeing up the team here uh, and getting the work done um, just as efficiently in Clark. Yeah,
0: excellent. So, does your business have a niche? Is there a specific type of client that you deal with, or are you a generalist type of firm?
1: Uh, we don't have niches by design. Our uh, background's always been multi-service. Um, Business, but there are a few industry specialisations that we've sort of grown naturally, mainly by referrals from the clients in there, um, and that sort of tends to be some in property, some in resource allied, just because we're uh, Western Australian based. On there, um, a smattering of real estate and 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 medicos in there, but we don't go out consciously uh, and say, "Hey, this is our niche um, in there." Um, so yeah, so it's more just built up off of referrals.
0: Excellent. So the story of setting up your offshore team, what were your motivations behind doing this versus obviously the multiple other priorities that a business of your size would have? Um, I look, If probably being blunt, um,
1: from a Perth perspective, um, and this sort of ebbs and flows, there can be a decent availability of of local team uh, in Perth, but out of the times, uh, there can be sort of a, a not a shortage, but um, a, a lack of decent quality talent um, from that perspective. So that's certainly one angle is is that uh, it's not always sort of a foregone conclusion that there's a uh, a full stream of, of people that uh, you can employ that will hit the ground running and be um, culturally and, and personality uh, a good fit to the business. Uh, The other one is that we like to make sure that from an overall basis, we're maintaining sort of decent wage revenue ratios. I mean, ultimately, we're in business to to make uh, some level of profit on there. So um, certainly with the the Clark team, it does assist in rebalancing that and it allows us to reward um, the team more broadly, uh, a bit more um, or a bit over what the market might dictate. Um, The other motivation was, if I go back probably all 15, maybe 20 years, um, I'd explored offshoring then uh, and the option of offshoring versus outsourcing um, was definitely something that we wanted to look further into. Uh, Mainly our previous experience on outsourcing uh, was hand the job over to someone um, and you get an indifferent product back, whereas offshoring was quite different. It's a team member who just happens to sit in another office. Uh, that other office is, uh, just happens to be a few thousand K away. So that, that was our sort of key motivations uh, in, in terms of looking at uh, offshoring.
0: So when you decided to build an offshore team, how did you go about getting set up? How did you go about researching, obviously finding us, the recruitment, the onboarding? Um, what was the process and how long did it take uh, for the firm to go through that? Uh, I would say probably original incantation was uh,
1: everyone's old mate, Rob Nixon, uh, had uh, highlighted that you had uh, sort of started that and been doing that for a little while with, I think, Back in the day, that would have been your financial planning side of the business uh, and you got some success there. So that sort of initially um, put it on the radar and specifically sort of Tara on the radar from that perspective, um, just knowing that it could also cater to financial planning as well as accounting. So um, off the back of that, it was then sort of build up of speaking to a few people that were dealing with uh, Tower at the time. Uh, chatting to yourself, I think that was way back in in late 2014. Uh, and then it was pretty much um, full systems go from that perspective. Uh, and then your team were supporting us with the uh, the interviews and, and that sort of stuff and the logistics of getting the team going. Um, and then just as once the team were there and ready to go, um, there was the TOA kickstart process uh, and then a couple of us came over for a couple of weeks to sort of bed in the team, run through sort of our McKinley and culture, our systems, processes, get to to know each other face to face on there. Uh, and so that was the the really the, the foundation of it from that perspective. Um, we found probably what biz did we find unusual in there? Um, probably that the recruiting was slightly different from what we used to uh, in In Australia uh, on there it's a slightly truncated process but but seems to get uh, a reasonably sort of similar outcome on there so it's, it's probably something we should take on board from perth's perspective. We don't need to spend hours and hours uh, on interviews we could do it in a in a shorter manner but yeah that's that's pretty
0: much all sort the of how we got started Nick excellent so for someone looking to set up an offshore team, what advice would you give them? to be able to fast track the process what would be three of the most critical things that you would spend your time on if you were to do it again
1: um I look i think for most businesses uh most service businesses it comes down to people um on there so um we've always found prioritizing communication skills um, and personality when recruiting uh is a big thing. initially we sort of fell foul of it uh, by sort of focusing more on sort of tech skills or anyone who had remotely any Australian experience um, in tax or, or accounting uh, from that perspective, and actually found that uh, comm skills and a decent personality and a can-do attitude are worth ten times more uh, than a, a depth of experience in, in um, Australian tax on there. Uh, if you do happen to get both, then sort of you, you've hit paid uh, from that perspective on there, but yeah, comm skills and personality would be probably um, our biggest one uh, on there. Um, the second one is understand from your own perspective what is offshoring and what is outsourcing. Uh, if you think offshoring and outsourcing are the same things, you need to do a bit more bit more research on it. Um, offshoring is a team member that acts and works and does the same as your team in, in Australia, uh, whereas outsourcing is basically bundling up a job, throwing it over to someone and saying, hey, give me back a finished product or as near to a finished product. Um, as, as you want. Now, outsourcing might work for some people, um, but uh, it hasn't worked for us on there, which is why offshoring is is uh, has a better appeal. So, really understanding the difference in what you want and what would work for you is is probably the second one. Uh, lastly, probably um, this is something that's taken a couple of years for us to uh, to learn, um, but um, if if we had our time again, we'd do this sooner is set exactly the same expectations between your local team in Australia and your offshore team um, and use exactly the same systems if you've got it exactly the same trip makes training ten times easier um the 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 team or our team in 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 Clark uh, by way of example um we set exact exactly the same performance expectations. Uh, and they actually exceed them. They're, they're sort of uh, awesome from that perspective. So that's probably the, the three most critical things that we'd see uh, on it, Nick.
0: Excellent. So if you had a word or a phrase to describe the value your offshore team provides to the business, what would it be?
1: I'll, I'll steal something off of that
0: MasterCard and, and say priceless. <laughs> love it, love it. Now, does... MPs have a people strategy mapped both locally and globally. And if you do, is it something that you have a ratio that you want to have a certain amount of team members offshore versus onshore in the medium to long term, or is there no strategy currently in place? Uh, there wasn't a strategy until about two and a half years ago,
1: uh, and then we decided that uh, it was it would be remiss if, if we didn't have a strategy. So. Um, our, our general strategy is going forward uh, to look at uh, basically a one-to-one ratio for every team member we will be bringing on in, in Perth. We should be then looking for, to bring in bring on one in Clark from that perspective and the other aspect that we've looked at as well as, as part of the strategy is to really sort of examine and question if there is a role that we're bringing on uh, what's the necessity, what's the skill set that we then need from a Perth perspective uh, on there. And that tends to be now coming more around towards the ability for the new team member in Perth to be able to have good social skills and be able to hold a conversation and and to be able to advise face-to-face with the client in Perth on there. Uh, and that's becoming more and more prevalent. Um, and, and the strategy, similar strategy from um, a Clark perspective um, on there, But those communication skills really come down to sort of what I would say interpersonal so that uh, the team, client managers, et cetera, in uh, in Perth uh, can communicate easily and effectively with the Clark team on there. So we don't really see that ratio changing um, at all. It might vary a little bit by um, division. I mean, for instance, financial planning with all the – changes coming out of the royal commission in the last couple of years tends to be a little bit more what i would call on the ground australian centric on there when that stabilizes in my opinion uh, probably in about a year or 18 months i probably expect to see an uplift in the, the level of work that is uh undertaken offshore uh, as opposed to um, in australia
0: excellent so the year ahead what is the plan with your offshore team how do you plan to keep growing the team their capability, and ultimately, their performance? Um, I, look, I Probably alluded to earlier, just in terms of
1: sort of where we're looking to recruit uh, additionally superannuation. Um, that We've got a new team member we were thinking about in sort of six months time, but we've brought that forward to pretty much next month. Um, administrative team, uh, additional support from that perspective um, on there. So that's in terms of sort of adding numbers um, to, to uh, the team on there. The area that we're focusing on um, in terms of training and development, just with sort of our team numbers building up, we need to sort of make sure that um, we're developing those team members in Clark that have been around for a while and more senior and, and that are taking some management responsibility and managing other teams, just to developing their skill set, um, which I am saying uh, over the last sort of six months, I think, is it called Academy, the 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 one that you're you're running, Nick? The yeah,
0: the Tower Academy.
1: Yeah, so that's that's been useful in building up uh, some of the team's skill in there. The other bit that probably might need uh, that we're sort of working on to independently on there is just around confidence building on there. It's sometimes sort of new space for some of the team to be managing people. Uh, and what we've found is the the the, the natural demeanour of um, the Filipinos uh, is generally fa- fairly sort of uh, humble and, and and mild from that perspective. So we're sort of developing the confidence in dealing with team and sort of handling situations where they might not be comfortable uh, from that perspective. So we're spending a fair bit of time uh, in that space. Other training, we try- tend to try and keep identical to what's happening in Perth. So if we've got somebody in doing training, we'll get uh, we'll try and get that linked up. If we're having what we call our accountants meeting on a monthly basis, uh, we make sure that uh, the clerk team are part of that from that perspective. The other one that we've adopted probably three years ago is a concept called flow coaching. Um, And the, 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 the 30 second version of that is it's basically ongoing coaching by sort of line managers to make sure that everyone's work and their personal goals aligned to the overall business strategy, uh, and we sort of keep that on a rolling 90-day basis, just to make sure we're tracking alongside um, our strategic goals, and that that basically cascades its way through the business, um, throughout the business, at, to all areas on there. So. What we've made sure is that that also um, applies and embraces uh, everyone in Clark as well. So that's that's just a different way of us sort of doing our coaching across the business, which is slightly different to mentoring. It's just a, a little bit more active and a more strategically
0: focused. Yeah, excellent. Now, you've probably answered some of these already, but what would be your top three tips for managing an offshore team for anyone that's new to this journey? Um, that's a good question. Um, Probably um,
1: tr- treat them the same as um, you would do your Perth team, so long, so long as you're not being an idiot to your Perth team, of course. If you have been an idiot, try and sort of change it from both uh, to your Australian basis and, and, and your Clark basis. But, yeah, look, don't don't differentiate um, too much from that perspective. Um, try and make sure uh, that you're getting over to uh, – to, for, for us, Clark, uh, on there, and you're also giving the team the opportunity to come to Australia. Not all of your team will want to want to come over. Some might have family commitments, uh, so they won't be able to. Uh, but some will sort of uh, really enjoy it uh, when they come over. So making sure that you've got a regular commitment to that um, is is a biggie. Um, the other bit is, uh, and I think this applies to uh, relationships as as well as uh, to to your team as well. Is make sure that your team know that you care for them. Actually, sort of tell them. Uh, don't just assume that uh, they, they they feel that they're loved on there. Make sure you go out out of your way to uh, basically sort of have a chat with them. Make yourself available. Uh, thank them uh, on there. That's a that's a big part of um, what we've seen as of the culture in terms of um, the, the Filipino uh, team and and the Clark team more broadly. Is they they love to be uh, praised and acknowledged and, and know that they're valued. Um, yeah, look, so that's probably it in a in a nutshell uh, on there. Um, and I think that the rest of it is um, be open, don't be afraid to, to to learn from your team in Clark. We've certainly learnt some bits um, from from the climate team in Clark on how better to manage them over the years.
0: Some definitely some good advice there. So, how do you track and measure success of your offshore team? What KPIs um, do you use for this? Um, so the same as what we'd
1: use for the Perth team uh, and we're usually trying to distill it down to three or four areas. We've got some that are purely what I call sort of uh, numerical or financial and then they're around sort of productivity and, and billing for accountants uh, on there. The other ones tend to then be sort of turnaround time then then developing against specific skills uh, gaps in there. So generally There'll be three or four areas. The easier ones are productivity, billing, turnaround times, because we can track those pretty easily. The other ones that are um, not as easy to measure, um, but we do, we try to do our best on is just to identify where the skills gaps are, what would bridge those skill gaps, and then sort of the measurement against that is sort of achieving and bridging those skills gaps.
0: Excellent. So how have your clients benefited from you having a global team? Um, Probably, I going to say there's a small portion of clients that would
1: benefit directly just in terms of, we've discussed around uh, options for them if if they want to look at offshoring. Uh, They would be exposed to similar issues in terms of resourcing as as we would on there. So uh, for certain sizes of business, it's actually easier to sort of propose that they look at that for themselves and we can assist in that process rather than sort of uh, us acting as a a piggy in the middle uh, from that perspective. So there's a number of sort of direct benefits there. And the other side of things tends to then be indirectly through improved sort of turnaround times uh, on there. Certainly with the use of uh, our our TOA team on there, we're able to get our turnaround time sort of well within what we communicate to clients. So um, that always looks uh, favorably from their perspective. And the other part is that um, whilst uh, in certain pockets, inflation is low in Australia, um, salaries are still moving um, from that perspective on there, which means prices to clients uh, should, in theory, be moving up, even though sort of market pressure is moving down on there. So it allows us to be more competitive on pricing to uh, not get squeezed too much in the middle uh, between sort of price pressures and, and uh, inflationary um, wage pressure.
0: Excellent. So, how has offshoring contributed to giving you or your other fellow leaders within your business more time? Has it given you more work life balance? That's uh, a good question. Um, in
1: all honesty, I think that comes down to the individual. Um, I think a lot of us as sort as of business owners can tend to fall foul of. Uh, if if we've given a bit of free time from one angle, uh, we'll spend it on somewhere else. So uh, I'd like to say it's given me more personal time. It's, it's given me more time to do other stuff um, on there. Um, so it certainly freed me up from that perspective. Um, and probably where that comes in is in the last couple of years where we've got to a level where we're bringing in team uh, that are managing other team in, in um, Clark on there that sort of reduces the responsibility uh from sort of let's call it that that oversight overseeing or, or management role on there. So um yeah, look, that certainly freed us up and the number of the uh the managers within our business to uh use their time more effectively uh, on there. And yeah, look more broadly in the practice, it does allow um freeing up of certain sort of team members onto other uh, work that requires them to be sort of on the ground here. So yeah, sort of. Uh, it, it, it certainly does to to an extent, but you really sort of have to take control of of your own time if you want to be able to use that time to sort of sit back, sit back and smell the roses. If that makes sense. And
0: yeah, no, it definitely does. So has offshoring had a positive effect on your profit to the business?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, the, the the long and the short of it is when you've got sort of nine ish team members in. In Clark, on there, and if you look at the respective sort of salaries there, uh, in, including uh, jokingly your very modest seat feet, Nick, Nick, um, on there, and compared to what you would be paying in um, in in Australia, or whether it's sort of Perth or whether it's uh, Sydney or wherever on there, yeah, it's, it's probably in sort of the the, the six figures uh, where you're looking at the, the impact on on the uh, the profitability
0: excellent so i'm going to pivot and ask a bit more of a, a business related question but what's one bit of advice you would give your younger self from a business point of view
1: oh so, um, that's fairly easy don't don't be afraid to make mistakes half the time when i've
0: been afraid to make mistakes uh, is is me back so yeah give it a go I love it one bit of advice you'd give your younger self from a personal point of view uh probably the same nick uh don't be afraid to make mistakes on there. Um, just
1: avoid the ones uh, that you do when you're too drunk. I've got a few of those under my belt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the biggest myth or objection you have heard about having an offshore team, and is it true? Um, probably
1: um, probably the main main one is, uh, oh, it'll be slower and the quality won't be as good. Um, and so long as you put in the time uh, and the training on there, uh that's that's really a myth um I'd probably go so far as to say in our experience and probably more so on the the accounting side on there our- our clerk team are as capable if not more capable of on on jobs uh in terms of quality um and turnaround from that perspective so that's probably the biggie um in there it does take a bit of time to, time to 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 get to there and you have to invest your your time in there but uh same as you would do for uh, a team member, wherever they're based uh, on there. Um, the, probably the, the other myth is sort of um, that, uh, and I'm not sure whether this is a myth or a preconception, is that everyone in in the Philippines or wherever they're based offshore uh, should be sort of ready to go out of the box on there. Um, everyone takes a, a bit of training and a bit of learning. The majority of team members that um, we're employing and that most people we employing are pretty well educated. Uh, Their English language skills are uh, very good from that perspective. Um, They're mentally very attuned to learning uh, and they learn pretty quickly. So um, whilst not everyone's ready to go straight out of the box on there, the ability for people to learn um, from that perspective is is, is very uh, impressive in our experience on there. Um, so, yeah, look, that's probably the the, the couple of sort of uh, myths or objections for, for, that we've heard or, or sort of uh, maybe thought ourselves at one point uh, that have proven not to be uh, the case.
0: Excellent. So for someone looking to grow their business or their team, what would be the best piece of advice that you could pass on for them to implement? Um This has developed over the years. I would have said something different three or four years ago,
1: um, but it's, it's the old cliche: hire for personality, train for functionality. Uh I'm just seeing that that's that sort of ever more prevalent from that perspective uh, nowadays. Be it uh, from an Australian-based team or from a uh, from a, a Clark-based team for us on there, it's yeah, that's just first and foremost. If you actually look at our recruitment criteria, uh, number one on there is can-do attitude. Uh, And that will stay there until I'm pushing up the daisies uh, from that perspective. It's just, yeah, it's so important.
0: Love it. So for any of our listeners that want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Um, Probably email. Um, Email is dominic.rollison
1: at mckinleyplowman.com.au or on the phone at 0893012200 um or uh, linkedin and other sort of social media channels on there but happy happy to have a chat with anyone who wants to ask questions uh be sort of i'm happy to be sort of brutally honest as if you you found out over the years nick on areas uh when you're doing things well on there we're we're happy to congratulate uh you and and uh and pass on pass on the message from that perspective and when there's areas that need uh improvement on there so we're, we're not shy and sort of coming back from that perspective so yeah look happy to uh, chat to anyone who wants uh, any any input uh, and have been sort of pleased with how uh, you personally and, and your team have been receptive to feedback.
0: Awesome some very good advice and we do love the feedback we can't improve if we don't know it so we'll put all those contact details in the show notes for anyone listening so they can grab them from there as well so thank you very much for your time today Don. there's plenty of little gold nuggets in there and plenty of um, great advice, obviously, from your experience going through this journey. So thank you again. No, pleasure, Nick. Pleasure. To follow our podcast and get insights from leading accountants, simply visit theoutsourcedaccountant.com or visit iTunes or SourCloud and head to the Offshore Accountant Podcast. To connect with me personally, just look for my Twitter handle at Nick Q Sinclair or find me on LinkedIn at Nick Sinclair. And have a great day.